And so I'm going to read this again. But hear yourself saying this. And then talk to God about what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Do you believe that? Take that in. Because he has anointed me. He has set you apart. To proclaim good news. To the poor. To proclaim freedom. For those who are in prisons. Recovery of sight. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Talk to God about your calling. Wow, Lord. Your spirit is within us. We are your temple. Your glory is within us. To let it leak out and proclaim to others your favor. May we remember. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <coughs> so let me change directions just real fast for a minute. I'm going to just take out a piece of paper for a minute. This is one of those exercises you get to do. Um, I am, yeah, let me just, um, this is, we've got a new pastor that we're going to be kind of interviewing, voting on in, in a couple weeks. And let's say that the new pastor shows up and he asks us this question. Okay. What do people expect from the church? What do people expect from the church? Go ahead and write a couple things down. What do people expect from the church? So now I want you to kind of draw a line and I want you to answer a different question. What are the commands that God gives to the church? What are the commands that God gives to the church? I'm reading a book right now um, called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And this is what he writes. There's a simple exercise I walk through with church leaders. First, I have them list all the things that people expect from their church. They usually list obvious things like a really good service, strong age-specific ministries, a certain style, volume, length of singing, a well-communicated sermon, conveniences such as parking, a clean church building, coffee, childcare, etc. Then I ask them to list the commands of, that God gave the church. Usually they mention commands like, love one another as I have loved you. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Make disciples of all nations. Bear one another's burdens. I asked them, them 
I asked, I then asked them, what would upset the people more? If the church provided the things from the first list, or if the church didn't obey the commands in the second list. He goes on. In Luke 12, Jesus told a parable about a master leaving his servant with specific tasks. What happened when the master returned? He expected the servant to do the tasks. It's imperative, Chen writes, that we differentiate between what we want and what God commands. Kierkegaard believed that Okay, I'll put this paragraph back in. Um, Another place he's talking about Paul in Corinthians when he writes defending himself. He said that the church in Corinth wanted a Christian celebrity they could all praise. But Paul refused to let it be about him. He gave them what they needed and what was best for them rather than what they were demanding. Soren Kierkegaard, who's a German theologian, believed that crew Christianity is costly and demands humility because the gospel exposes our failures and insists that we find life only through the grace of God. Our self-esteem comes under attack as we acknowledge that Jesus alone saves. But what Kierkegaard saw in the church were consistent attempts to make Christianity more palatable, more popular, popular, less offensive. He said if we strip away the offense from Christianity and try to make things fun and easy for everyone, then we might as well lock the doors, the sooner the better, or turn them into places of amusement, which stand open all day long. See, we're not doing people any favors by pretending that they are the center of the universe. Either people will be awed by the sacred, or they will not. If the sacred is not enough, then it is clear that the Spirit has not done a work in our lives. If sheep don't hear his voice, let them walk away. Don't call them out with your own voice. Francis Chan talks about the fact that he quotes the Ephesians verse where Paul talks about how God is building us up into a temple. That Jesus is the cornerstone and he's creating a temple. And he talks about the first temple and how the glory of the Lord came down and filled the first temple, Solomon's temple, and he couldn't even go in. And how awesome that was. I mean, the Holy of Holies. You know, when, when the priest kind of went in, they put a rope on his leg in case he died when he was in there because nobody dared went in because it was so holy and God's presence was there. What is it like to stand in the presence of the Almighty? The Almighty God. And he says, that glory of God now dwells within us. We are the temple of God. Okay. Do you believe that about yourself? 
I mean, folks, sit up a little bit taller. Okay? God's Spirit is within you. His glory is within you. There's another thing I'd remind you of. God created the whole universe. And then he looked, the father looked at the son and the spirit and said, you know what, let's create man in our own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. You were created in the very image and likeness of God. Do you get it? But here's something else. So the person next to you has been created in the image and likeness of God. So the person next to you has the glory of God within them. And Chan would echo James and say, how dare you speak ill of the image and the glory of God. I mean, if God were in front of you right now, would you say, um, excuse me, but I don't particularly like that hairstyle? Or did you see the way, God, that you're raising your children over here? I mean, really? Think they know better. And they claim to be a Christian? Or will we just kind of roll our eyes? Right? I was listening to a, a, a sermon from um, on this passage from um, All Souls Church in, in um, I'm not that tall, um, from All Souls Church in, in, in London. <coughs> and, and the pastor started the sermon on this passage and he said, you know, we, have a, we have a real problem that has come to the attention of leadership here at, at All Souls. Um, it is major. And we are taking drastic action. We are in the process of installing microphones in every pew, in every building on campus. Because we need to get at the root of this talk that is going around that defaces this sacred. In fact, we're going to go so far as we're eventually get around to installing them all in your homes. Okay. Now, he's joking. But the issue is serious. What comes out of our mouth is what's in our hearts. Let's put that Shakespeare quote up. Even, even Shakespeare gets this. Okay? He says this, He hath a heart as sound as a bell, and his tongue is a clapper. For what the heart thinks, the tongue speaks. What the heart 
thinks. The tongue speaks. One of my books said, you know, we, we, prof- we profess faith in Jesus. But do we possess faith in Jesus? We profess Christ, but do we possess him? Is he in our hearts? See? And what James is going to say is what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so when you see what's coming out of your mouth, it's a time when you need to stop and go, oh, what is really going on? What is really controlling me? What is the wisdom that is really guiding me. The tongue can be very good. In fact, one of my authors said those first two illustrations about um, the ship's rudder and, um, why do I always go blank on the other one? Huh? Oh, they've bitten the mat. That's because I don't do horses. I'm sorry. I don't do dogs. I don't do horses. It's really bad. Now you know how to pray for me. Um, it was, I just started, as a kid, all you, you put you on a horse and you kept going around in a circle and you know, they just followed the people in front of you. I mean, that wasn't any fun. I mean, nobody else took me out on the beach and let me ride on a horse. You know, I just had to follow something around in a circle and I went, this is stupid. Um, but what happens? You know, you put a bit in a horse and that's so you can get onto the horse and control where the horse is going. Okay. Right. If not, the horse could just go off any place. Right. So you put that bit in order to control. That's good. That's not bad. The rudder on a ship in the midst of a strong wind, it's just this little thing on a ship, but in the midst of a strong wind, it can keep a ship off the rocks. Our speech, what we say to people, can bring healing and life and encouragement. In fact, Paul tells the Ephesians, he says, speak to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Encourage one another with thanksgiving. Because when we speak that way to one another, we build each other up. We, in a sense, I'm not going to use this illustration. No, it doesn't work. Um, you know, we, we, we celebrate the glory of God and his creativity and his life and his presence in our midst. And it does our heart glad. Okay. I mean, in one sense, you know, when we speak, it, it speaks out of what's, you know, in our hearts. In another sense, if we speak, we can also speak to our hearts. And so when I, when I speak psalms and praises and words of encouragement and words of thanksgiving, I remind my heart of the real wisdom of who's really in control. See? The, the tongue can be used for something really good. But it can also be a wildfire. Um, I was 
going through my books this morning and, and I came across this this illustration and I tried to check it out and I can't find it. So this is an illustration that's in a book that I read and here it is. Good news or bad news, I'm not really too sure, okay? But it was basically probably back in about 1899, four American journalists went over to China expecting to find a story that they could send back to their papers and they couldn't find one. And their deadline was approaching. And they didn't know what to do, so the four of them all went out to dinner and they decided to try and figure out what they were going to do, what type of story they would print. They decided to make one up. And so they made up this story about the Great Wall and how the Chinese were going to tear down the Great Wall in China in order to open up trade. Hit front page newspaper. Okay. Went around the world. The Chinese were going, what? No way. You're kidding. And Chinese nationalism just spiked. And they took it out on the Westerners in their midst and killed missionaries and started what became known as the Boxer Rebellion. Okay. Because of a false news story. Hmm. When James talks about the tongue, he's not just talking about the words that come out. He's talking about the thoughts that are within. He's talking about those looks that we give people, the way we carry ourselves. And he says it can either be for good or it can spread like a wildfire and destroy. It goes on. Oh, now I go back to third. The tongue is also fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it itself set on fire by hell. I don't know if you noticed, but um, in this passage, he kind of talks about hell, and he talks about the demonic and he talks about evil. James is serious here. Okay. This is a huge problem. When those of us who are leaders, when those of us, and that is all of us in one sense or another, if I declare to anybody that I am a Christian, I all of a sudden am a leader, leading someone to Christ When I declare that, I either have the capacity to lead them to good or to send them off into the fires by my speech, just by the words I say. 
He says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of poison. I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever tried to gone through a day and say, I'm not gonna say anything bad. I'm not gonna think anything bad. Mm-hmm. Nope. What James is saying, it's impossible. I can't do that on my own. See? It's not the tongue's problem. It is a heart problem. And I need to deal with it as a heart problem. He says with the tongue we praise our Father and we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. One of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, that shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue shows what's in our hearts. And so James goes on and says, what we need to do is deal with our hearts. And the way we deal with our hearts is to recognize where we're getting our wisdom from, where we're getting our life direction from. And he says there's two possibilities. Okay? Who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by your good deeds, by their good life, by their deeds, by the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition, your hearts do not, um, in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic. Envy, selfish ambition, boasting, denying the truth, jealousy. Most of the time when I speak ill of something, it comes from something inside of me that is envious or jealous or needs something that I'm trying to go after and obtain and hold on to myself. And when I'm doing that, I'm living out of earthly wisdom. See, I'm trying to do things the world's ways. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's undivided. It has only one source. It's single-minded. It's transparent. It's set apart. There's no false motives. There's no pride. It's peaceable. In fact, it's willing to sacrifice for peace. 
it's opposed to strife. It actually tries to bring peace into any situation that they're present. Now that's not easy. Jesus brought peace. But he did it not through worldly ways, but through godly ways. His dying on a cross brought peace between us and God. He was a peacemaker of all peacemakers. He's willing to give up himself, trusting in Father God. Do I work for peace, not just not create violence? Do I actually work towards peace? Am I considerate, gentle, not seeking my own way, accepting others? Am I gracious? Am I willing to yield? Am I submissive? Am I willing to be open? Am I flexible? Am I open for change? We were talking in, in leaders group and, and I, was, I was thinking um, a situation we were kind of sharing about and you know, there's so often I feel like I got to go in and, and I have to be the one to make sure that things are done my way so that it's the way I want it so that I find pleasure in it. You know, just, I mean, planning a party or something. I mean, you know, or... I mean, I, I want it to be right. You know? And what that says is that I think I'm the one who can make it right. See? Rather than trusting that God really is in control. See? That he can make it right. You know? Um, that that he actually cares more about me than I even care about myself and knows my wants and my desires even more than I do and wants what's best for me and knows how to give it to me. Do I trust that? See, if I do, then I can be submissive. I can be flexible. I can wait on God. Let him do it in his timing and in his way. Don't put this up right now, but but there's one of the things I came up with was, you know, when I start doing things, um, somebody said, I, I need to kind of ask myself, if, then. If I do this, then what's going to happen? If I do this, then what is it saying about what I'm trusting in? If I do this, what does it say about what wisdom I'm relying on? See, if I would stop and just ask myself that question, if, then what? If I really believe that God is in control, then I can give up. Then I can let somebody else have their way. Then if I really believe God loves me, then I don't have to make somebody else tell me how great I am. Submissive, merciful, compassionate, impartial, not showing prejudice, sincere, without hypocrisy. When those things are coming out of my heart, then I produce the fruit of righteousness, the fruit that God is asking me to produce, the fruit that he has given me life to bring about. What is coming out of your mouth 
shows what wisdom you're relying on. And it shows whether or not we're professing our faith or possessing our faith. I can't tame the tongue. But I can retrain my heart through repentance, through prayer, through dwelling on who God is and who he says I am and living out of his wisdom rather than worldly wisdom. Um, let me give you just real fast these slides. Um, let's go to the second one. Um, this is one of the other things. Here, here's one. Um, try this for one week. Okay, we'll send these to you. Try not to complain or grumble. Try not to boast about anything. If you're able to go through a whole week and not boast, guess what? You can't boast about going through a week without boasting. Don't gossip or repeat bad information. Don't run somebody down. Don't defend or excuse yourself. But instead, seek ways to affirm others. If you would be mindful of these things, you would see what is in your heart, which would drive you to prayer, which will drive you into the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the love of God and the spirit of God. And you'd begin to live again out of humility rather than pride and arrogance. Let's go to the next one. Um, the tongue can guide us. It's fire. It's untamable. We've pretty much just did this one. Let's go to the next one. Um, if then, um, the issue is the heart, where my heart is. Um, the issue is how to grow my heart. What am I gazing at? Where do I get my wisdom? It's a call for repentance. Um, the opposite of faith is not unbelief. Okay. The opposite of faith is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is that rather than trusting in God, I trust in myself. Rather than God, letting God be God, I make myself God. The opposite of faith is pride. The wisdom of the world says seek, seeks first what's best for me, makes their own rules, has their own values, what Evaluates everything from our perspective. It's only natural, feels good. How could this be wrong? Okay, Wisdom of God rests in the reality that God is in control. That I'm a repentant sinner, loved by God, saved by grace. And I respond in purity, seeking peace with the attributes of Jesus. Um, one of the things always to ask yourself before you talk, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is that my last one? Do I have one more? That's it, right? Yeah, okay. Um, verse 1 and 2 of James 3 says, don't seek leadership. He tells us not to seek leadership because the tongue is so destructive. When we're in positions of leadership, our words can either build up the kingdom or destroy the kingdom. We've seen both in our leaders. 
The problem about leadership is that we're all still growing. We're all going to slip in various ways. And God is going to hold us as leaders more responsible than those who don't know. To more, to those who have been given more, more will be required. Okay. When somebody comes and says, I want to be in leadership, I generally kind of put it on the back burner. Because oftentimes it's coming out of a need to be recognized or some need in their heart. When I wanted to become a pastor, I went and asked somebody, I said, how do I know that I should be a pastor? And they said, whatever you do, go do something else. Don't ever be a pastor. But if you can't do anything else, it would only be disobedient, then maybe God's calling you to be a pastor. See? When that is your attitude, everything comes out of humility. But I will remind you, we are all leaders in one shape or another. And the response is always to recognize that my actions will either build the kingdom of God or set a fire that will destroy it. We're called to take this seriously. This is important stuff. How are we doing? How's your heart? Where are you getting your wisdom from? You are created in the image of God. So is that neighbor and that coworker <clears throat> that you want to avoid. You have the glory of God within you. So does the person next to you. Honor it. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. But may our asking for forgiveness not be trite. But may we allow you to do the surgery that is necessary that we might be people filled with your heart so that what comes out of us will be your glory to your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.